had a decision to make. Um, am I gonna quit halfway or am I gonna keep going? And I thought about my dad who passed away last year, everything I've been through in the last nine years, my friend with the heart-shaped rocks, everybody who can't be out there and run. And I had an amazing 30 plus miles. That mindset, I mean, something just kicked in and I knew I can do it. There was no doubt. That was probably the most challenging ultra marathon I've done to date, but I've discovered that mindset within me that's pretty unbreakable. It's a combination of my past, some of the people I met along the way, and yeah, it all kind of pours in and it fuels you and you keep going. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 79 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Yana Friedrakova, the mountain running mama, has been on fire of late, winning and setting course records at the Martins Mill Covered Bridge 5 Miler and Buck Ridge Burn Trail Half Marathon on the same weekend. Yana also recently completed her milestone 50th ultra at the Terrapin Mountain 50K with 7K of climbing, where she also placed first with a time of 4 hours and 55 minutes. After divorcing, Yana made the brave decision to make a counseling appointment to address her years of stress drinking to try and escape her marital problems. She was down, not feeling good about herself, and knew something needed to change. Those sessions changed everything. It's been six plus years of sobriety, and it's helped her to feel happy, healthy, and embrace self-love. Those changes also led to her finding more joy in her running and in life, where she's one of the most positive people you will ever meet. We discuss growing up in the mountains of Slovakia, finding running, divorce, facing her stress drinking, counseling, getting healthy, happy, embracing self-love, her best race performances, the JFK 50, meeting Melissa, being inspired, channeling her spirit and legacy, mindset, mental strength, mantras, becoming unbreakable, injuries, cross-training, rehab, fire, passion, drive, inspiring others in her community, community service, girls on the run, race volunteering. I'm so happy our paths cross at the JFK 50 mile race where Yana has run 757 and came in eighth place and inspired so many in her local community of Hagerstown, Maryland. Trusting you all will be moved by her journey and enjoy the convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Yana Friedrichova, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing? Hi, Ron. Um, happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Doing good. How are you? We miss you. Maryland misses you. Oh, I miss, and I miss Maryland, and I miss my JFK 50 family. And for everybody, you know, that can't see us on the Zoom screen, Yana's got the Stay in the Fight Run Chat sweatshirt on, so huge bonus points for her. And what am I wearing? I got my JFK 50 sweatshirt on and my JFK 50 hat because 
you know, that's how we met. And uh, Yana's done some amazing running down there in the community. And we met through the JFK 50. And I knew immediately I wanted to have her on the show. So um, maybe you could just give a quick intro, Yana, to just tell everybody, you know, where you're living now and kind of where you grew up. That'd be fun just for have a little background. Okay. Um, so my name is Yana Friedrichova. I am 43 years old. Um, I grew up in former Czechoslovakia, which is now known as Slovakia. And of course, a lot of people know where the country is because of the Russian invasion. And our country shares one of the borders with Ukraine. So that small little piece that you see in the news, Slovakia, that's my home country. Um, that's where I grew up. It's a beautiful place with big mountains. I think that's why I love trail running and I grew up hiking, skiing, um, biking, dancing. Um, there is just no other way to be. Um, we're a very active little country. My mom still lives there and my two brothers. Um, I came to the United States in 1999. So I've lived here um, for 23 years now. Um, I am divorced. I have two teenage children um, that I am raising, and we now live in Hagerstown, Maryland. Yes. So it's a central location for the JFK 50. You're like right there in the heart of it. Um, but so cool to grow up in the mountains and of course, be very athletic, as most kids are that are in the mountains. You know, you're outdoors, you hike, you do lots of different activities. But it's interesting that running really wasn't a part of your life at that point. You know, you got everywhere on foot, everywhere you wanted to go, to play, to do anything. You'd be out there for hours, playing in the woods, playing in the mountains. But you really weren't running. You know, were involved with dance, doing a lot of different things. Um, but music was a big part of your life when you were a kid, right? Yes, yes. My mom is a violinist, a beautiful person. She loves music. She's now a retired music teacher, but she still teaches privately. Um, so I grew up playing violin like my mom many, many years. And I haven't played in a long time, but I think one day I will still, I will pick it up and see. But we grew up around music, classical music, um, rock and roll. My mom would back in the day when it wasn't allowed would pirate um, American station and just write down the music and the words. Um, she would make up half of the words and play the music for people in their basements because it wasn't allowed back then in Czechoslovakia. So we actually grew up listening to Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Tchaikovsky and all that. So yes, I grew up around music. I love it. So classical music, I think music and athletics or sports, there's, there's so many parallels to be an accomplished musician. It requires so much discipline and so much practice and repetition. Um, and my son, by the way, the reason I know a lot about it, not from my own personal experience, but my son is a classical pianist, uh, musician and um, music teacher, uh, taught himself to play the organ. Um, is the music director of a church and uh, music is his life. And, you know, he's always working with students and also performing um, music theater. He's been, uh, he was music director of an off-Broadway show. So he's been around it uh, and been involved with piano since he's like five. So I know that discipline that's required and what it takes. And I hope you get back to it because it'll remind you of your mom. It'll bring you back to those days 
when she was teaching you? Because I know, um, you know, when I think of Ronnie when he was really small, it's probably the same kind of memories you would have of your mom because he'd be playing with his piano teacher and I'd be sitting in the room with him just watching him play, you know, Chopin pieces or Rachmaninoff or Liszt and just being like mesmerized that he could memorize these crazy long passages of music that were, you know, like three movement pieces and like, how could he memorize all of these notes, right? It requires a lot of discipline, right? Yeah. So my mom actually now with what's going on in Europe, um, she is rehearsing with her students and they go places to entertain people. And it's been a great distraction for them from what's going on. And it really, I mean, those countries open their homes and their arms and their hearts to these people. And um, music is part of it. And you can see it. You can see it in the news and all the videos they're putting up. People are playing music and just um, keeping connected. And my mom does as well. I mean, every time I talk to her, um, she's getting ready to go to rehearse. Um, and yeah, they're, you know, they're staying positive and connected with the music. I passed it on to my kids. My daughter plays violin. Um, she was given a little purple violin four years ago, and she really loved it. And now she's playing in high school. Um, she's been playing for almost five years, and my son plays saxophone. So we have a little little band going on. Nice. He rebelled. He had, he had to get away from the pure classical. Maybe he's into jazz or who knows, but... But sax is cool. So musicians, um, do they play sports or are they involved enough? Like with your own running, do they take an interest in mom's a kick-ass runner, mom's killing it at these trail races? Are they impressed by what mom does out there on the trails in these races or no? They're yawning when mom's <laughs> saying, I'm going to do this race and that race. Um, people ask me all the time, are your kids like you? Do they run? When I coached girls on the run, I've coached for a very long time. They ran many of our final 5Ks and they asked me one day, mom, do we still have to do this? And I said, no, I don't want you to do this if you don't like to do this. But they, they're they not very athletic. They're more um, bookwormy, you know, nerdy, geeky, reading kids. Um, but... So no, they don't rock, run like mom. Um, I wonder why that is because they see me after some of these really long challenging races and I'm completely exhausted and I lose toenails all the time. <laughs> so maybe maybe they they don't they don't like it, but no, they don't run they don't run like me, but um Lauren played basketball before, so they're active, but they're not they're not into running or sports like mom. That's okay. I mean, kids have to find their way and they got to do the things that they're interested in and that they enjoy. But <clears throat> do they have an understanding at least of like what a badass you are and how far and fast you can run and what kind of mountains you can tackle? Do they, do they understand it at least in comprehension? Like mom just ran 50 miles or a hundred K with a crazy amount of elevation. They do a little bit. I share that with them. Um, and I think they understand it through the fact that it takes discipline. And they see me come from work, pick them up from school, come home, change, and I'm going to run like every day. So they see me in that routine because I always say I didn't just wake up and became this person that can run this much. 
Um, so I think, you know, them seeing the discipline it takes and the structure, I think that's teaching them something very valuable. Um, I share with them when I go on an adventure, um, I share with them how it went. And sometimes they give me advice like, mom, remember, don't die. You still need, we still need you. <laughs> I think they understand a little bit. Good. And how old are they? Uh, Lauren is going to be 16 next month and Michael is 13. So both teenagers. Yeah. I mean, look, it's such a, such a different age for them at this point, either they would be into it or they're not. And because they're really not, it's probably, you know, just one of these things like, oh, mom does that. But at some point I guarantee you, because I can assure you just being old enough to know as you get older, you, you get a little bit wiser, at least they say anyway, maybe not for me, but for most people, um, you definitely look back at things that your mom has done for you or your dad, if they were a key influence and you'd be like, wow, mom, I can't believe she did all this or how did she do all that? And they'll get an appreciation for it one day. And even though you may not think they're impressed, they have to be, um, to, to calculate distances. They're smart kids, they're academics, they're bookworms. <laughs> I'm sure they could figure out running 50 miles is hard to do. Um, especially when it's taken place in the mountains with a lot of climbing and stuff like that. Um, but one day, they're going to become your biggest fans for sure. So why don't you tell everybody how you eventually got into running? Because it took a while. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, in your youth particularly. But talk about how you got into running and why it was such an important thing for you at that point in your life. Yeah, so that's a big part of my story. And um, I've shared with you, I did not come to running with any running background. Um, I've always... I've been always fit, um, always been exercising. I would jog in the evenings or, you know, do a fun 5k here and there. Um, but then, um, I think eight years into my marriage when, you know, we decided to file for divorce and things were just really difficult. Um, I needed something more. I needed, you know, an escape something to help me get away and what I was hiding from the world um, all those years for almost a decade was my drinking problem I was stress drinking every day um, to get away from my marital problems and I was I would still run I would still get up every day and just you know be the mom and pretend like everything was okay but it wasn't. So once we started sharing the kids' um, custody and kids wouldn't be with me on weekends, I had no idea what to do. And um, I had all this time on my hands and I was depressed and sad and I started running and I would be out there for hours. I would just, you know, I was basically running away from it all. And we live really close to Antietam Battlefield in Sharpsburg, um, a beautiful place. And that was my saving ground. I would run there all the time for hours. You know, 5K would turn into 10K, <laughs> half marathon, whatever. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But I was pouring all my sadness and anxiety and the drinking problem all into those hours of running. So that needed to change. Um, so it took me a while, but 
I found a place here in our town um, called ADAC that I called and made appointment for evaluation about my drinking and came in. Um, they did um, say I had moderate substance abuse issue and I was relieved. I was relieved and um, it took a lot of courage to come there um, and say that I have a problem. And that day, that was in 2016, so it's been six years, started that journey of complete sober life, um, healthy, strong me, um, a really long, difficult journey of self-love. I forgot to love myself, and I was going down a very destructive path, and I was able to overcome that. And running was a huge part of my recovery. Um, and if I look back, I'm sitting here today talking to you. Um, I think if somebody told me that all that running will take me to this place today where I can be competitive, healthy, strong, confident, um, loving, kind, I wouldn't believe them. I wouldn't, I was a sad, sad person. Um, I was in trouble. And now nine years later, my first 50K was nine years ago in 2013. It took me almost seven hours to complete. And now nine years later, um, I am here. My last 50K was Turpin Mountain. I was the first female, 455.40, one of the fastest women's time on that course. It was a pretty incredible, unbelievable journey for me. That is beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing and being so open about that part of your journey. Um, I think, first of all, it's, it's super interesting because a lot of people, you know, when they're trying to deal with depression and anxiety and any failed marriage, broken up marriage can cause that. Um, there's just so many emotions to process, and you said it so beautifully. Um, you all of a sudden have this time on the weekends you're not used to having. You're used to being with your kids all the time. Um, so if you have one kid or you have three kids or five kids and you're a mom or you're a dad, this doesn't apply to just women or men. It's both. It's that change in the routine is just something our we're just not ready for, and we're not used to it. So maybe we realize it's better for us not to live together anymore as a whole family unit, but this is like the first step. And it's, it's, it's a hard smack in the face, and it's a hard, like, come to Jesus moment. Like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be with my kids on the weekend now, every other weekend, or every two weekends, or maybe one weekend out of the month, or whatever that period is that the judge or the court rules. So now all of a sudden, you have to look at yourself in the mirror more. You got to have conversations with yourself more and you got to start figuring out like, okay, Yana, what's really going on here, man? Like I've been drinking because I've been in a bad marriage or to kind of take some of the sting off, you know, the stress of the marriage and things weren't working out. And then the marriage is over and you're running. And that's a very good thing, a very positive thing to do but you're really not getting the true enjoyment out of it that you want. You know, you're really just kind of dealing with it to just kind of bury the anxiety and the pain. And you take the huge step of recognizing, which most people really struggle with, to say, hey, you know what? I actually need help, or I think I need help. 
I at least have to talk to somebody about it because, you know, they may have said, hey, you know, you're okay or you're very, very mild, you know, do X, Y, Z, you know, so it was brave. You know, you had to take that, you, you didn't have to make that choice. You made the choice, it was brave to do it and it's in town. So there's always a little like, oh my gosh, this is where I live now. You know, it's not like you could go somewhere else. Like, so you're kind of really bearing yourself, you know, to a counselor and opening up about your life and feelings and emotions and things you're going through. And, you know, like, so that's where the real true change came because without that lifestyle change, you know, you know, if you're in a situation like that and you struggle, um, and it's crazy because I have the most addictive type personality you'll ever meet. And you know this about me because I'm just all on high energy, all go, no stop. So it doesn't make sense that I wouldn't take drugs or, be an addictive drinker because it just would make sense that I would be. But I've always been able to just say, no, I've never taken any drugs in my life. People are shocked by that. Never, never smoked pot, never smoked a cigarette, never ever done a drug. Okay, drinking, yes, I love drinking. I love drinking with friends. I don't wanna drink alone, um, but I don't have a situation like that. Plenty of my friends who have and have you know, become uh, sober and have been on a sobriety path now for many, many years. Some of my closest friends are, um, they don't have that switch. Like they can't just say, you know, I'm not going to drink or I'm only going to have one drink. So, um, for me, I'm lucky that I can have those moments, but still not let it mess with my life. You made a huge choice that, Hey, I don't need this in my life. I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to take it out. And then with that, of course, you're going to start to feel better about yourself. And how did your running change at that point? Because I mean, it's a big difference. So now you've taken drinking out and you're trying to deal with your own emotions from your marriage and not seeing your kids all the time. How did your like running change and how did that help you, you know, as you moved into this kind of new, new Yana, like version two? So for, for a long time, I've had the awareness of something is wrong. Like I can't keep this cycle up because I was still, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. On the outside, everything was perfect. On the inside, everything was really bad. So um, I, once I made the step that the awareness became action and I saw, I, I went and, you know, I got help. It was mind-blowing because I realized that everybody else is struggling. It wasn't just me before I was like, okay, I'm going to hide this because people need to know that everything is okay. And that was a, you know, that was the lie. Um, because once it was out in the open, um, people that love me would come to support me. I didn't have to hide. So that was a huge relief. And then I was very lucky to find the type of counselor that has been through that same struggle. So we would connect on a very deep level and she was able to help me um, so much and how it, everything changed after that. I mean, everything changed completely. I learned how to really care for myself, love myself, um, receive the love that people had for me, um, the support, I, you know, open opened up and shared my struggles. And like I said, I found out everyone else is struggling with something else. And of course, my running <laughs> improved. 
um, because for about three years, I would have this drinking issue and I would still run. And, you know, I would run my first 50K basically coming there hungover and running it. So when I look back, I'm like, I have no idea how I did all that because I still did pretty good, but (laughs) it was just really hard. It was really hard. It's still hard, but on a different level. I mean, you know, 30 miles is hard no matter what. Um, But now I have learned to not run from things, but run to things. Um, My mindset is completely different when I run. Um, It's happy. It's free. I love preparing for a race. So it, it changed everything for me. Wonderful. Well, the power is when you open up about issues like that in your life, it just sets you free. Um, so it's a secret and you don't think anybody knows. And maybe a couple of people do know that you're not even aware of. But, you know, you've, you've basically just liberated yourself because it's not a skeleton in the closet anymore. You took it out of the closet. You dealt with it. And you've told people that this is this was your old life and it's six years ago. So you're basically inviting anybody out there that might be in a similar place in life that might be struggling or maybe they think they need help. And they can talk to you about how you approached it and what it was like for you. And, you know, don't worry about the stigma or don't worry about this. Like, it's going to get better. Um, or And the same thing goes for anybody who's going through a divorce or any other tough thing in life. I mean... That's where the power of community is. That's where that's where the real power in our sport is running and trail running and community is like we come together, man. We're just we're out there for each other to support each other. The people that are out there volunteering on the course, making like homemade food and snacks for us and making signs and cheering for us. I mean, you know, we're pretty lucky to have, you know, that kind of support. You know, I mean, and that's, you know, going on to our favorite race, the JFK 50, that's what makes the JFK 50 so unique because like every aid station is, has its own vibe. Like it's its own different people, different signs, different energy, and they're all just there to make sure Yana's having the best possible day. They want to make you smile and, you know, get you in and out. Or if you want to hang out and tell stories with them, they love you even more. But, you know, it's just um, the bonus of the community. Yes. So the JFK 50 is huge. Um, it, it feels to us, you know, it's a small town, um, small community, but for those couple days, the whole world comes to this little town. And, you know, some of the people on the course uh, at the aid stations aren't even runners. The spectators, they're just out there just to see you and support you. And, and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how people come together just for that one event. It's very, very special. You know, this year is the big 60th year and everybody's running. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So JFK 50 is pretty big. And I live right outside Boonesboro. So I do a lot of my training on the trails up here. Um, a lot of it on the Appalachian Trail JFK course. That's my training ground. So yeah, we're pretty lucky to have it right down here. Yeah, no question. And you know, it. I think what makes it so spectacularly special is it feels like family. Um, and I've run Boston ten times, or this will be my tenth Boston. And I've run New York ten times. And um, I've said to people that are on my show. 
that I feel as connected with the JFK 50 race as I do with Boston and New York. And that doesn't make any sense because I've only run it twice, but that's the way a race can be. If you go down there with a good positive attitude and you bring good positive energy, you'll just meet all the right people, which I did. I met you and I met Devin and I met Mike and I met everybody um, and I'm still meeting people. And I pretty much tell every person who comes on my show who hasn't run an ultra, okay, you have to run the JFK 50. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to sign up and do it. And then they do. So I have a friend, uh, Libby Marie Riccio. Um, she listens to my podcast. She just moved down there. I think she's in Maryland. I should know exactly where she lives and I don't. I'm pretty positive she's in Maryland. So she's probably not too far from you. Um, she just listened to the last podcast with Sarah Cummings and she's going to run her first JFK 50. And I gave her my word. So now she's going to listen to this podcast. She's going to hear her name on the show. I'm looking for you to do the right thing. I want you to hook up with her and take her out in the AT, do a couple of trail runs with her because that's total community. I know it would make such a difference for her to get out there with somebody who's crushed the course and done so well and just knows so much about the race itself. I mean, the history of the race. I mean, for God's sakes, Mike Spindler, the race director and legendary runner and coach is your coach. So, which we'll get into in much greater detail later, but that would be a big favor for me. And I've got, you know, plenty of other friends, you know, down there who've been on the show as well. Um, it would be wonderful if maybe a couple of you could all get together and uh, run some miles with her. Yes, yes. Please um, get us in touch or, or you know, let her know how to get in touch with me. So um, the first JFK I ran, and um, I don't have, I have some of my trophies here, so I know what to talk, to, talk about. But the first JFK that I ran in 2019 was a birthday gift for me. My birthday is on November 15th. So month before my birthday, I was given entry to JFK 50. And I ran 50 milers before, but I've never done JFK. And so I got that gift and I started training. I was just the running mom from Hagerstown. And that was my first JFK. And I actually managed to end up in top 20 women <laughs> so just yeah I was 17th woman that year and uh, coach Spindler saw me because um, I had one of the gold medals that's the top 100 the rest gets silver and he was like I told you I told you you'll do really well so yeah that started a little bit the um, coach Spindler relationship and then I trained with him and his team the following year and ran the 2020 JFK where I placed um, female eight and broke eight hours. So yeah, pretty special race for me <laughs> as a local running mom. That is totally awesome. Top 10, you know, is huge. Okay. What was, what was your time when you were eighth? What was that? That is that, is that your current PR at JFK? Yes, it was just under, I'm going to say it was 7.57. A coach Spindler would know exactly. <laughs> yes, he would. And he would know it. He would know it to the 10th of a second, no doubt about it. But that is amazing. I mean, that's unbelievable. So to literally come from, you know, not really being a runner to running when things were very stressful to becoming sober and getting your sobriety situation together 
to like your love in the mountains as a kid spills over and you find out, hey man, I've got some real talent at this trail running thing. Like I'm actually pretty good, man. Like what's going on here? Like I'm top 10 in the JFK 50, which by the way, the 60th race is coming as Yana said. So, I mean, come on, Camille Heron has won the race. I mean, Sarah Cummings just ran the third fastest time. I mean, these are amazing athletes have come down and won this race. I mean, um, Jim Walmsley has won the race for Christ's sakes. I mean, it is really, um, an epic race, um, just incredibly, um, well put on. And, you know, so for you, you know, to get into the top 10, I mean, was that like beyond yours and Mike's like wildest dreams when you were training for it? I mean, and on time goal wise to be, to run that fast of a time to be sub eight, was that something he was actually talking to you about in your training or was this more or less like, hey man, just go out there and run, don't worry about it and let's see what happens. What, what was it like? So our goal was faster. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Our goal was higher than that. Um, but, you know, you never know. Um, once I got off the mountain and started on the towpath, people don't realize this, but getting off that mountain and then getting on the flat towpath and, you know, generating some good turnover is actually really difficult. <laughs> so um, I fell apart a little bit on the towpath part, but overall, I think it's amazing to be, you know, from Hagerstown and compete at that level. So I'm pretty proud of it. Um, we're not done yet. <laughs> Uh, I've had an injury last year, so I had to sit out JFK. I had two stress fractures and a cyst in the knee as a result of overtraining. Probably my fault um, for racing too much. And so I had to back off the speed work a little bit, and I haven't trained with the team as much. And also this year, my focus is the big mountains. Um, so, but I am planning on doing the JFK this year. So we'll see. We'll see. Amazing. Amazing. And yeah, I mean, just staying upright on the AT is working itself. Um, and even for all of you who are local and have the opportunity to get out there more regularly than say somebody like me, who just comes down for the race in November, um, it changes so much, right? With the seasons, um, by the time November rolls around, it, it must be completely different than in the winter when you have snow and in the summer where it's bare. I mean, I'm just saying, just even to the eye, looking at it, your lines where you're going to run are changing all the time, right? So no matter what, you can't really ever be like 100% for prepared for what it's going to be like on the actual day of the race, right? That's correct. Look, I think we've had all seasons for that race. Um, it was hot, then it was a foot of snow, then it was windy, it was rainy. So, but that's the thing, especially in ultra running, you have to be uh, prepared for everything. And I say all the time, ultra running is just a nonstop troubleshooting because that's how you get through it. There's some always something wrong, something else hurts. The, the fueling is not right. The, you know, the shoes are not right. Um, there's always something that you need to either figure out or, you know, I don't use the word quit, but <laughs> just figure out, troubleshoot. Yeah. It really is. Um, and I think that's what makes Ultra so enjoyable and so different. Um, for a lot of the listeners on my show, like Marathon is the end of the road for them. That's as far as they go. Or maybe they just haven't dipped their toe in the Ultra waters yet. But 
And I think that's what makes it so incredibly rewarding is for one thing, you're out in nature versus being on a road per se. And although the Boston course or New York course and these marathon courses can be fun and have amazing crowds and cheering, it's different to get on the trail. It's different to run on the AT and be on single track. And even though the towpath, you know, can be, you know, deathly boring and you're inside your own head for hours, you know, and you tend to be around the same people because, you know, unless somebody's going to all of a sudden turn on the jets and go a lot faster, you kind of end up being around the same people most of the time. Um, and with the elites, it's much more spread out. So you may not have a lot of company other than when you go through the aid stations, but you nailed it, man. It is problem solving. That's what it is from the moment you step out on the course, whether you have a blister because of a sock or, you know, you're getting a rash because you didn't put your squirrel nut butter on or you forgot some item to pack in your, in one of your bags. Um, and nutrition is almost always the biggest culprit, but you know, these things are, we're battling them all day. So as you're going through this stuff, like, what do you do mentally just to try to center yourself if you are having a rough day or struggling out there? What are, what are some things that you'll say to yourself, you know, that you'll use to talk to yourself, just to try to get yourself settled and get yourself back on, you know, back in the right state? So this is a very, very deep question because um, I shared with you seven years ago, I met a woman that loved running. Um, her name was Melinda and she was also battling cancer. Um, and we've lost her last summer. Um, she was not much older than me and meeting her and having those seven years with her and her husband, um, changed my life, completely changed my perspective on mindset. Um, she was very brave. She ran after chemo. She would get out there and run. We did half marathons, 5Ks. We created this group called Pinky Pledgers. We would put our pinkies together and just pledge we're going to keep going. And um, she had a little hobby of collecting heart-shaped rocks. And when I met her, I was on crossroads myself with the divorce and the drinking. And she showed me a heart-shaped rock. And I was, I was like, what is that? She was like, you, you see them everywhere. They're everywhere. When you go in the woods, you'll see them. I was like, no, you don't. Of course, the first thing I see next time I run is a heart-shaped rock. So I think about her when I run because at the end of her battle, it got really, really hard. And she fought to the last day never had a bad day, never complained. Um, and I carry a little bit of her with me. Um, I carry on that legacy of that, that kind of strength because whatever I do out there in 50 mile or hundred mile will never be as difficult as that kind of battle. And, um, that's part of my mindset when I race. Um, it never gets that bad. Um, what else do I think about when I run a 50 miler? Um, I've done a Hellgate 100K this past December. That was my comeback race from the injury. And that is a very difficult race. It's, it's um, Dr. Horton's 100K. It's 66.6 miles with over 14,000 feet of gain. And in about mile 30, I had a really hard time. Um, I had a very low place. 
And I didn't know if I can make it because I still had halfway to go. And the hardest climb of this race, that's a signature David Horton race. The hardest climb is in the last miles of the race. So a lot of people don't make it. And I had a decision. I had a decision to make. Um, Am I going to quit halfway or am I going to keep going? And I thought about my dad who passed away last year, everything I've been through in the last nine years. Um, my friend with the heart-shaped rocks, everybody who can be out there and run. And I had an amazing 30 plus miles. That mindset, I mean, something just kicked in and I knew I can do it. There was no doubt. So that was probably the most challenging ultra marathon I've done to date, but I've discovered that mindset within me that's pretty unbreakable. And it's a combination of my past, um, some of the people I met along the way. And yeah, it all kind of pours in and it fuels you and you keep going. That's beautiful. That's the essence of stay in the fight right there is what it is. But um, it's, it's knowing why you're out there. It's understanding your purpose. It's understanding why you run. Um, it's understanding why running means a lot to you. Um, so that relationship that really touched you and moved you and um, that person who um, showed you how to live with grace and uh, a very painful time in her life, a time when she was suffering and struggling and um, but refused to show that um, outwardly to other people she had such an impact not only on you, but I no doubt on many, many other people. Um, and I have a lot of people on my show that have dealt with cancer and um, battled back from cancer surgeries or breast cancer and many other types of cancer. And I think the cancer community is just so powerful also because it's about resilience and and knowing that, you know, you realize, hey, we don't have any guaranteed end of date. You know, what we have is we don't know anything. I mean, we might, we might not make it through this podcast. We don't know how long we're going to be around. We hope we're going to be around a long time. I hope I'm going to see you and give you a big hug at JFK 60 and hang with you and Devin and Mike and all my favorites down there. Um, but we don't know that. So we can't take anything for granted, man. We got to live every day with purpose and we got to go forth with every day with joy and energy and passion. And um, if you can tap into that in a tough spot in a race when you were, you know, really that was your first real one back from injury on a really hard course with a crazy ass climb at the end. That's a great <laughs> way. That's a great way to deal with things. Cause let me tell you something, anybody who's going to step into this ultra world, or even if you've been doing it for a long time, that's the secret sauce. That's what's going to be able to help you when those moments come, because trust me, they're going to come. There are no days when you run a 50-mile race, a 100-mile race, a 100K race, 50K race. There are no races that you run where everything goes according to plan. There are none, and there will be none, okay? Something is always going to happen that's going to be unexpected. And it doesn't mean unexpected bad. It could be unexpected good. But trust me, nothing ever goes according to plan. So you just got to get out there, man, and roll with it. And like you said earlier in the show, it's about problem solving, man. When things come up, you got to use your brain and be like, okay, what are we going to do here? What's, what's, uh, what, how are we going to get out of this spot? <laughs> like, you know, this will be a good story to tell. 
That's why I love ultra running because things can change in an instant. The underdog can have a great day and the elite can completely fall apart and things can change. And But I think at the end of any race, um, that's why I love mountains. You can be fit as you can be, but the mountain will get you. <laughs> you can show up and be fit, but not having the mental strength can really, you know, mean winning or losing. So a lot of such a lot of a lot of mental strength goes into this long running, running mountains and keep going and don't let it break you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what do you, what would you say is your what would you consider your best race to date? And if so, just talk about that race a little bit. Like take us through it. Like what made it the best race? Doesn't have to be the fastest race you've run. Doesn't have to be your PR. Just something about it that made it your favorite race. Again, it doesn't have to be your fastest one. It could be the longest one. It could be your favorite for some other reason, but something about it that made it special. And then tell us, tell us a little bit about that day. I think, I think it would be last year's quest for the crest vertical 10 K in North Carolina, North Carolina has my heart for some reason. It's rugged and steep and, and, challenging and I have this weakness I always look at who is running who is racing and I look them up and I want to know how good can I do against these mountain women and it stresses me out and I trained for this race um, you gain like 1800 feet in a mile it's truly vertical it's so vertical you have to hold on to branches to stay upright and I showed up with some training on Appalachian Trail around Hagerstown. And I knew the woman that holds the record was right there next to me. And these women are from North Carolina. They're, you know, they train there. And I, we started running and we started climbing and I realized it was easy. And I felt amazing climbing that mountain and I passed the woman that holds the record and kept going and left them all behind and actually managed to win that 10k last year um, with a really good time it was very technical very challenging crazy vertical it gave me I mean that's a huge confidence boost because I always think, oh, you know, those those women will, you know, bury me with their skills and it gave me a great, great, great confidence. So I will actually be returning there in May for the full 50K and running that race. Um, so that was probably my favorite. Um, it made me realize I really love the mountains and I actually think that's my thing. I think I'm the... I think I'm the mountain mama. <laughs> I like it. You're not just the running mama, you're the mountain mama or the running mountain mama. Or Show up and compete that way without being afraid who is on the starting line. <laughs> well, that's an important lesson to learn, right? I mean, every one of us, we can always learn every day. Um, so if that's something that you know 
is something that you're dealing with, the fact that you just talked about it on the show is good because you know what? Somebody's going to look on there and go, oh my God, Yana's running. Like, I don't think I can take her in the mountains. She handles the steep stuff way better than me. She's way better at technical. So um, first off, you got to realize you're a badass yourself. That's number one. So make sure when you look in the mirror, you say, I'm a badass. I'm tough. Nobody can beat me. You know, I'm so strong. I'm coming, I'm coming for all of you. Um, but what a cool, uh, what a cool experience. Um, and you know what, maybe, maybe you're going to be stronger rate doing those kind of races. I I've been putting a lot of work in, in the vertical technical stuff. So the rest of the year for me is the mountains, um, that challenging elevation, vertical stuff. But when we ran last year, we ran the, um, 10 K I, I usually end up running with men. Um, so we, (laughs) we get up to the top of the mountain and I was really focused and, um, the guy that was running with me at that point was started yelling. He was like, stop, stop. And I'm like, no, I don't want to stop. I'm, I'm racing. But I stopped and he said, look, and I would just look around and just the views. When you get to the top of the mountain, everything opens up. And he made me pause and just look. Because sometimes when we're in the race mode, we don't really look around. But that's important also to just kind of look around and see the beautiful mountains. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard because you're in a super competitive mode, as you said. Um, but yes, we gotta, we gotta appreciate the beauty that's there. Um, because look at that. You did all that work to get up to the top of that crazy ass climb. You should enjoy it for a little bit. Me, I'd be taking my iPhone out and getting a selfie, man. I know, I know that I'd be like, yo, let's go selfie time. Let's get a shot. Let's go, let's go this way. Let's go that way. But I probably would have cost you first place. The other girl might have caught you because we wouldn't have taken too many pictures. So probably not good. Well, I'm still learning the balance between just being really competitive and then not lose the enjoyment because, um, you know, especially training with um, Coach Spindler and the team, he definitely brought out the more competitive side of me. And I maybe felt like, I lost a little bit of the joy that I felt in the running because you have to be, you have to have that mindset when you're competitive, like everything else goes away and you're just focused on um, the result. So I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the balance in all that to be competitive at that level, but still enjoy it. Yeah. It's a work in progress, right? Yes. Every day. <laughs> hey, we're we're here for it. You know, if you figure it out, let me know the secret because I still haven't figured it out yet. So, you know, and I might be focused a little bit on having too much fun right now at this point, but I'm getting my competitive juices back too because I, you know what it's like when you come back from an injury. It's very different. You know, your mindset is just, you want to make sure you're healthy and you've had stress fractures. I had one. So, you know, you're just so fearful that wherever that stress fracture was, are you landing? Are you okay? Is there no pain? And even a few months after, you're still a little bit worried about it. It finally takes maybe like six months or so where you really just stop thinking about it, at least for me, because I never had a bone injury in my life and I've been running 30 years. So, um, you know, the joy part of it right now is I focused way more on the joy part about it and just making sure not only I was having fun, but all my friends were having fun, you know, wherever, whatever races I was at. So I'll get back to being a little more competitive too, but I always want to make sure I never leave the fun out. 
Yeah, well, when I had my injury, this was the biggest one because I had stress fracture before, but, and it's common with, you know, the training intensity um, and the things we do on the track, but this one was pretty big and I had to basically stop running completely for two months. Um, So we knew that it's not going to be in time. It's not going to be healed in time for me to do JFK and I was crushed. But not only that, I was fearful because I was afraid I'm going to lose the fitness I worked so hard to gain because I have to stay away from running. And actually, it didn't happen. And I am so happy that I've discovered that I was able to completely stay off that leg and just do cross training for two months. And nothing else. I did um, deep water fitness. I did 60, 70 miles a week on the elliptical. I did rowing. It made me super strong. So to come back after two months of zero running into doing um, Hellgate 100K and having such a really great, I mean, awesome time breaking 14 hours, it was awesome. I mean, now, you know, and I know that even though I have an injury and I need to step back and can't run. I can still maintain fitness just through CrossFit. So that was, that was a great experience for me too, having that injury. So you learned, you know, what you can do, because there are things you can do. Um, Cause two months to be on the shelf is a long time. I, I had four months, so I know what it's like and you can lose your mind. I mean, whether it's deep water running, like you said, or doing Peloton classes on a bike or road riding a bike outside, you got to find something because if you don't, you will lose your mind. I know I lost, was mine's been lost a long time ago, but I mean, losing it even further, I guess is really a proper way to say it from me. Um, so good for you that you found those other ways to stay active, not go crazy, um, hold on to some fitness, know you held on to some fitness, and then you come back and run 100K with crazy 14,000 feet of gain. I mean, that's that's not exactly the race to come back to, man. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I don't know who's putting your race schedule together, but I would not be picking that one as my first one back. Yeah, that was a little extreme, but <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to end my year on a high note. And that's the thing with the, you know, the drive and, and motivation and personality. My drive is super high. It's, it's like black or white, no shading in between. So we're you know, so I'm still learning to balance that because it's not always good, but this one worked out and I'll be coming back to Hellgate this December if I'm chosen, um, cause it's lottery based and going to try and, and do better. So we're not, we're not done yet. I like to, you know, just find a challenge and then, you know, conquer that challenge and find another and just continue. And keep moving. So speaking of drive um, and your, you know, your fire and your drive and all that passion, where do you think it comes from? So I think my kindness, the kind part of Yana comes from my mom, just the gentle, kind, loving. um, That's my mom. And it took me a long time to get to that place where I would just be calm and patient and still working on that, um, the fire and a little bit of even maybe recklessness and just the 
taking risks. That's my dad who passed away last year on actually my Michael's birthday. Um, so actually every time the weather is really bad or it's snowing or something bizarre is happening, I'm out, out there running. I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, okay, dad, I see you. I'm out here pushing the limits. So the pushing the limits, that's my dad. And then me being in November birthday, the true Scorpio personality, that's definitely, that's me. The fiery, you know, looking for the next challenge, hard-headed person. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. You found your sport. Let me tell you, ultra's, ma ultra's made for you. Um, the challenges are there. Um, and there's so many other ones out there. So um, what's something, you know, have you ever looked at something like Barclays that is just so completely insane? Have you ever looked at a race like that and said, this is something I want to try one day? Or is it just something that like most of us, we look at it and just go like, first off, I, I'd get lost in the first 10 minutes and have to come get me and, you know, <laughs> or I die on the course. So it's not for me, um, but I love following it. I'm like mesmerized by it every year watching them. So is there, is there something like that that's out there that might be like, this is something I want to try to tackle one day? Absolutely. And I think I'm making my way towards it with the race schedule and the challenges I'm choosing. I have been chosen to participate in the Barkley Fall Classic that's in September. So I will get a little taste of what that's like. As the quest for the Crest 50K is my training run for um, Barkley Fall Classic. So I'm choosing my challenges to like the difficulty level is <laughs> getting higher. So absolutely. I think, yes, I think I would, I don't think it's my time yet. I still need to do a lot of work on in, in terms of just toughness and grit and but yes, it's, it's fascinating. Absolutely. I think that's like the ultimate challenge of all the ultras. I mean, if you follow it past, um, Barkley, uh, the woman was, that was impressive. Not, it wasn't the men. It was, it was, um, Jasmine Paris was the amazing, that's my hero right now. Cause she's a mom, you know, this woman, ran this crazy race and would just breastfeed in between. I mean, she is an amazing, she's an amazing mom and an athlete and just a person. I can't imagine what kind of mental strength that takes to complete the three loops like she did this past Barkley. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, it's some kind of a test boy. It really is. And orienteering is, up there as much as any of their physical skills to be able to run and have endurance. And, you know, these amazing runners like Harvey Lewis that have won these backyard ultras and Courtney DeWalter and all of them. Um, sometimes they didn't even make it onto loop two because, you know, something happened, something went wrong. And one guy, you know, hit a page that was in his, in his bag and he's actually finished the race once the guy that I'm talking of, I can't think of his name, but he's finished the race once. He's one of the few that has, and he had the map in his, in his belt flip belt or whatever. And the wind and rain, it blew away. And then he was looking for it for hours. And then he finally found it. And by the time he got back to camp to start like the last loop, 
he just felt like he would be too tired and didn't go. So I think that's going to be one of those things he might end up regretting because, you know, you never know. He might not get that chance again. But it is amazing that a race could capture our attention that, that way when people aren't succeeding. You know, I just think it shows you that people are impressed by things that are really hard in life. It doesn't matter what it is and what sport or in what field. It doesn't even have to be sports. When things are really hard, like that no one can do them or almost no one can do them, that really makes people pay attention. And, you know, when you get these supreme ultra athletes and distance athletes that can run, you know, crazy distances, 300, 400 miles up the top of the Alps and all these other places, and they can't run around in Tennessee in the, in the crazy frozen head state park with the temperature changes and, and getting lost and the brush and all of it. It's, it's, um, it's really something. Well, I will tell you when I go there in September, I'll tell you what I thought about the, I mean, it's just the 50 K and you know, we're, we're going to be on the trail, but, um, that will be my first time at frozen head. So I'll, I'll let you know how old that, turned out. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You got to keep us in the loop. And if you can get a selfie with Laz, we need that too. So that would be super, super cool. So, um, you know, so for this year, do you have like one peak race that you're like just focused on that as your like main, main race? Is it the JFK 50 in November, which for the 60th or is it some other one? Like what is your one big race you're going to put your most focus on for this year? So this coming weekend, actually, it, it's a small, tiny, but it's big for our community. It's the Martins Mill Covered Bridge Race. Here's my trophy from last year. And I missed the old-time women's record last year by a tiny bit. So I'm coming on Saturday, and I'm going to work really hard to get that record. Um but that's just the five miler. Then on Sunday, we're doing a trail half in Pennsylvania. That's a half marathon race. And what is my focus? So North Carolina race in May is pretty big to me because it is very, very hard 50K. There will be um, elite women using this race as a hard rock 100 training run. So that's how challenging it is. So I would like to do really well because there's the women's lineup is amazing. Um, Sabrina Stanley, who won Hard Rock, she's using that particular race as a training run. So incredible women. So for me um, to just sit here and say, I'm going to be there with these women running that same race, I would like to do well in North Carolina. So I would say that Quest for the Crest 50K is my big goal. Um, I put so much effort into JFK last year and then ended up injured. It kind of broke my heart. So this year, I want to change it up and I don't want to focus it so much energy on that one race. Maybe I'll do really well. <laughs> So, but it's also a big goal because it's the 60th anniversary and um, I would like to do well. So that's another goal, <laughs> pretty big one. And so I think those two, JFK and Quest for the Crest, highlights of my year. Very cool. 
always fun to get a chance to uh, race with Sabrina Stanley. Like she pretty much wins like every race she's in. At least I think, I'm not sure she's been beaten in a race in a long time. She's got a serious uh, racing record. Really, really, really impressive. Strong. She's just a strong woman. It's and and friendly and you know, um, yeah. So I need to find out her secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, you, you say that, but the same way it comes around the other way. A lot of people are going to want to know your secrets because you're doing really well. So it's just all different levels, um, and that's the way our sport is. So you know, you have a lot of people who are really impressed with how, what performances that you put on, uh, particularly like top 10 in JFK, eighth place is really super impressive. So, um, so we all can have an impact for sure. And I know that your running has definitely had an impact down there in the Hagerstown community in the JFK 50 racing area. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on girl. Cause I know lots of people are impressed by what you're doing. Thank you, but I can tell you part of the secret, and that's discipline and just everyday grind, because I have a lot of close friends that see me, and they know just how much time and effort I put into it. It's um, It really is everyday work. You have to put in every day to get out something like uh, 455 50k at 7,000 feet gain. Um, it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. And um, I would like to be seen as the running mom that um, was able to overcome those harsh circumstances and come out on the other end um, this person. And I think every one of us can achieve that if we just do the work. Um, and I'd like to encourage everyone to do the work and overcome the circumstance and become something amazing. Beautiful. Well, and I'm, I know, um, anybody who listens to this is going to hear your story and think they're going to be inspired for one thing, but they're going to realize like, Hey, maybe I'm in this spot right now myself. Like maybe I, maybe if I can make some changes, you know, I'm not happy after my divorce or not seeing my kids or maybe I haven't run since high school, but I'm listening to Yana's story and I'm hearing about how it really made her aware of a bunch of things she wanted to change, including, you know, giving up drinking and, you know, you know, being living a sober life and, you know, what changes that would make for you. Um, that's what the purpose of this show is, you know, sharing stories, sharing our vulnerabilities, sharing um, fights and battles we've been through and showing people how we stay in the fight, man. And you're, uh, you are a great example of that in everyday life. So it's totally awesome. And uh, I know it'll inspire people. Um, and one thing we always talk about last, because I feel it's the most important thing and I always want people to think about it, um, is community service. Um, and I know it's near and dear to your heart, and I know it's something that really matters to you. So talk a little bit about some things that you're doing in your community and what's important to you. So um, if I'm not working or being with my kids or training, um, either at a race as a support, um, I do, I help around in the community at a lot of our running events. Um you know that I've been Girls on the Run volunteer coach and part of the 5K committee for a decade now. Um, 
the COVID situation made it really difficult for us to coach in schools. And we last year we had to coach outside in public parks. Um, so I actually don't have a team this year, but I've coached girls on the run program at elementary schools. And then we have a heart and soul program that's for the middle schools. So that's my passion. Um, we, it's basically a after school program for girls and we, you know, teach them, um, it's we incorporate the running into it, but it's more about teaching them the inner beauty, what really matters, confidence, healthy eating skills, and um, just becoming beautiful and confident the way you are. And at the end of the program, at the end of the 10 weeks, we have a 5K and we all celebrate by running a 5K. So I've been doing that for a while. And then, um, in the last two years, I think, because those were the two years that I've been more competitive and a little bit out there and maybe a little more in the spotlight, I have been receiving messages from people that saw me run, especially women, um, this last weekend when I ran Turpin Mountain, I've received a beautiful message from a lady that saw me and wanted to know more about me and she started running <laughs> so people ask me do you think I you know I could start running too and I'm always out there encouraging people to start even if it's just walk running so that's my giving back um, through my story and my life that's wonderful um yeah I know um race volunteering is a fabulous way to give back. And, um, I know you were involved with helping the JFK team last year since you were injured and couldn't race, but, um, girls on the run is wonderful. What a wonderful organization and great way, um, to empower girls and, and help them with their confidence and self-esteem and just, uh, teach them that running is so much more. It's, it's so much more than just the act of running, obviously, um, to help kids gain confidence about themselves and who they are and maybe what they can do. Um, so getting them together to do these things is wonderful. Um, as you said, it has been a challenge with COVID, but things are going to get better. They are getting better. Um, more and more races are happening, more and more group races are happening and, and things are opening up and, um, it just, uh, we need it, man. It's just, it's just so good to be able to just go up and give people a hug and say hi and say, I miss you. And, um, not be so worried like, oh God, we're going to give each other COVID and we're all going to get sick. So, um, the community service is wonderful. Um, I appreciate you coming on so much. I know your story is going to resonate with a lot of people out there. Um, it's going to inspire people to show that you can make changes in your life when you're in a difficult spot and you can overcome a lot of obstacles and you can go from being just a regular mom who was a runner with no high school or college experience whatsoever to becoming a top 10 runner at a major race like JFK. And that's just the beginning. I think you got a lot more in store and you're going to do even bigger things. So um, I appreciate you so much coming on and sharing. And uh, it's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's been a while. We we talked about this, so it finally happened. I'm so grateful. I really hope that the story reaches the people that needed this story and let's keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's stay in the fight. Um, that can be our mantra moving forward and 
thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful seeing you. Yeah, great to see you and give hugs to all my JFK family down there for sure. And we sign off every show. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, Yana's the best. She's one of my favorites, and she just brings such positive energy to life every day. And it's amazing to see the turnaround she's made in her life after getting divorced and facing her drinking issues and really her unhappiness with where she was in life and making that change uh, in her life, going to counseling, addressing the underlying issues and becoming sober um, has really changed everything for her. It's made her a much happier person. It's made her understand self-love, embrace love. And it's obviously had huge impacts on her running as well, where she has just become a rock star and is killing it. The more vertical the race, the more difficult and challenging the race, you can be assured Yana's going to be up there near the front, mixing it up, going for the W and maybe setting a course record in the process. So super excited to have this convo. And I hope you all enjoy her openness about uh, some of the struggles and challenges she faced and how she made those changes. And look, it's really about doing the hard work every single day, her work ethic. It certainly comes through in this conversation. So I hope you take that and many other positives away. And I ask, as always, please keep sharing. Uh, please keep rating the episodes. Hop on Apple Podcasts for a moment and write a review. It really helps me. Um, find new listeners to the show, get new people listening to Run Chats, and most importantly, get great guests like Yana to be willing to come on and share their stories and uh, kind of bear their souls, if you will. So thank you all for continuing to follow those great habits. I wish you all the best with your running. I hope I see a bunch of you up at Boston in, what, about 10 days or so, man. So I'm definitely stoked for that. Hope to see some uh, Run Chats listeners on the road up in Boston. If you see me, give me a shout out on the course. And if I see you, I will do the same. Wishing you all the best. Keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. <laughs>